Hey, this is Shannon Wooten, pastor of New Spring Church, and this is our podcast. I hope it encourages you, and I hope it gives you hope that a new life in Jesus is possible for you. We appreciate you, and thank you for listening. Okay, turn with your Bibles to John chapter 17. We'll start there, and then we'll move forward to uh, Daniel and a few other scriptures. You can uh, pull out your notes this morning, and please take these down. Uh, this may be a little bit different, so just bear with me. I want you to, I really want the Holy Spirit to speak to us about the mindset or the spirit behind Babylon. And I pray, listen, if I say anything that offends you, uh, give me a little bit of grace here. Uh, try to reach out to me for clarity. That's not my heart, it's to offend. Uh, there's going to be some controversial, uh, controversial ideas and principles that you may not agree with, and that's fine. Uh, Part of this message is is not to, we have a different culture than the culture of the world. So the culture of the world is is if you disagree with me, I'm just going to cancel you out. Can I just tell you, if you disagree with me, I'm not going to cancel you out. All right? So we can do that together. Why? Because we have a different culture. And we're not going to see eye to eye on some things, but I will always be a minister who will look through the Word of God, process the Scriptures and rightly divide the word of truth. And so that's, that is the goal. All right, so Daniel and the Hebrews had the ability to stand firm in their faith, but they had influence in their culture. And I want you to hear this. The world is shifting around us and has been for years. The culture has been shifting. There have been things in the culture that's been going on that we disagreed with as, as Bible followers, right, as Christ followers. Um, it's just now that it's really we're taking notice because they seem to be very, very touchy issues. But how many know in the Bible, the Bible talks about uh, people who are missing the mark of the kingdom of God who reject Jesus Christ, and one of them is uh, disobedient to parents. I mean, if you look at Romans, there's a whole list of, if you want to look at the list, look at the list. Read the Bible. There's a list of things of people who are missing it because they, they're failing to repent over these issues failing to receive Jesus Christ. And so there's a long list there of things that guide us. And one of them are liars. He said liars will have their part in the lake of fire. That's a pretty stout, come on, that's a pretty high measure, right? Well, how many know that lying has been happening in our culture for years? In fact, I think it's been happening in the church culture too. Come on, let's, let's get real somebody, right? But we can kind of pacify that. We kind of wink at it. Or we kind of like, well, whatever. But now we're looking at all of these topics and issues of, of confusion about gender and all of this stuff. And we're like, oh, my gosh, it's, the world's coming to an end. Of course it is. The world has, it's going to come to an end. My, my heart this morning is I hope that I impress upon you uh, to, to, to gain some confidence. Not, don't freak out. Gain confidence. Don't feel like you're losing grip. But I, my, my prayer is that you will be able to shine, shine with the love and the heart of Jesus Christ and with truth in a way that you don't lose your influence, but that you can impact the culture. That's my heart for us, okay? So most people believe they either have to take a stand for God and the entire world will hate them, or in order to have any influence in the world, they have to compromise God's word. And I don't believe that. I think we can do both. I think we can, we can love the world, give the world, show the world grace and mercy and have lunch with people who are different than you, hear them out, hear them, treat them like human beings and still influence them so they can know Jesus Christ. Do I have a witness this morning? 
I believe that we can live for God according to his word and be influential in the world in which we live. So, write this down. We will either set the culture or reflect the culture. You're either going to set the culture or you're going to reflect the culture. Even as a Christ follower, there are certain things in your life where you say, man, I'm I'm good on this. But I wonder if there are certain things that you're truly, maybe inwardly, maybe the fruit of the Spirit or the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit, that you are more reflecting the culture than rather setting the culture. So we are to be thermostats. We will either be a thermostat or a thermometer. You will either have the ability to change the climate, influence the atmosphere, influence the culture, or you're going to reflect and just measure it. We are called to be salt and light, Jesus said. Amen? Salt and light. What does that mean? That we are to make things better and brighter. Someone say better. Someone shout brighter. As a Christ follower, you are salt and you are light, and that means you are to make things better and you're to make things brighter. We are not to retreat out of the culture, but to have an impact on it. And there have been groups of people over the years that have pulled back and have sheltered themselves and sheltered their families, created a subculture in, the, in, in this country. And I'm not knocking them. I love their bread. I love their pies. But uh, come on, somebody. Um, but, but I'm just telling you, as far as a Christ, someone who's following the word of God, and trying to impact the culture, they are not able to impact the culture because they have sheltered themselves from the world. But let's take our, let's take our theology from what Jesus said. Look at this. John chapter 17, verses 15 and 16. And this was one of the last prayers of Jesus. How many know that would be a very, I want to hear what Jesus has to pray over us. And here's what he said. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one, that they are not of the world, even as I am not of, the, of it. Sanctify them by the truth. What do he say? Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Someone shout, into the world. There's where you're at. You're here, right? We're here. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Can I just tell you what Jesus just said? Listen, you can protect yourself and pull out of the world and shelter yourself in a home. You can barricade yourself at your, your, your castle. You can even, we can even do that in this church. We can get in these four walls and shelter ourselves from the world. But can I tell you, us sheltering ourselves from the world does not sanctify us. It's not what he said. Come on, somebody. What did he say? He said, my word, knowing God's word has sanctified you. It has protected you. I don't think that we should fear. I don't think we should, I think we should be concerned. I think you should get involved in, in politics as much as you can and, 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 and influence the, the, in the way that you can. Vote. Do what you got to do. Elect good leaders. I think we should do all of that. But I do not think that we should be Christians who are so scared to death that we can't come out of our churches and come out of our come out of our four walls and have lunch with people who need to know God and befriend them. I don't need to be threatened by, by people. I need to be so confident in who I am and God's word is protecting me. I'm not worried about the world influencing me. Why? Because I'm protected and sanctified by the word of God because I know the word of God. Come on, somebody. Amen? Okay. So I'm... I am in the world, but I'm not of it, just like Jesus. What is he saying? I operate, I think, I behave, I have a thinking process 
that is so different than the world because where am I picking up, where am I picking up my P's and Q's? Where am I picking up my information? I'm in the Word of God. I'm studying the Word of God. What does God, and many times the Word of God has had to correct my thinking and saying, Shannon, you're not thinking right. You're thinking with your flesh. You're thinking out of feelings. And we are to let the Word of God correct us and guide us in the way that we should live and not let the world, come on, guide us, right? So Babylon, write this down, Babylon culture is more about a mindset and spirit. Someone shout mindset and spirit than it is a geographical location. In the Bible, there was a Babylon, and we'll point to that, where that is that in Scripture. But also throughout the Bible, it talks about a Babylon mindset or Babylon spirit. Can I just tell you, there is a spiritual warfare going on and has been for years since the creation of mankind. There has been a warfare going on when Satan lifted himself up in pride and arrogance and God threw him out of heaven. He has been fighting for souls and hates, hates, hates people because they're made in the image of God and he does not want us to know God. And he will do everything. He will stir up things. I want you to see some of the chaos in the culture today, it is spirit-driven. It is a mindset-driven. And it is, there's a strategy behind it. It may look like, what in the world? My America that I lived in is not the same America that I lived in 20, 30 years ago. But can I just tell you, it's not random. There's a strategy to change the culture of the world. The Bible says that he is the prince and the power of the air, rulers of the darkness of this world. There's a spiritual. Now, I don't want you to, you say, I don't really understand that. I don't want you to flake out about uh, think it's spooky. It is very biblical that there is a spiritual warfare going on. And if we ignore that, then we are not going to be properly equipped to be able to handle the spiritual battles that are before us. Are you with me this morning? Okay, that's a different topic for a different time. We'll talk about spiritual warfare and how to be equipped for that. Now, I don't believe that we should be so focused on the devil that we can't see Jesus. <laughs> someone said, someone said, an old preacher said, hey, do you believe there's a devil behind every bush? He says, well... No, I believe there's probably four or five devils behind every bush. <laughs> but I'm not ready to shake bushes and shake devils out. I'm ready to, come on, change people's lives and point them to Jesus Christ. Amen? So a Babylon mindset is why all cultures are corrupt and evil. I believe as we are enlightened about how Satan works, we will be educated, walking in wisdom and truth, and there will be less of a chance that we will fall victim to his schemes. Satan is a liar. That's who he is. That by nature, Satan is a liar. And in Genesis chapter 2, he lies and he questions God. And look what he did, Genesis chapter 3. Satan's biggest lie, he told Eve, said, Eve, said, Eve, I'm all about you. Liar, 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 pants on fire. But she bought into it. Eve, I'm all about you. I'm about your welfare. I want you to be acknowledgeable. I want you to know what's going on in the world and and. And, and just, just know that, Eve, I'm for you. He's, he lied to her. And then the second thing, he questioned God. And he had heard a question. God heard a question, God. And he says, Eve, did God really say to not eat of the fruit? He was able to bring chaos and confusion to her to doubt who God was. And is not that the culture of this world, a Babylon culture, is, is, is tried to manipulate us and deceive us to question, did God really say what he said in his word and does he mean it? And is God only out for his best interest or is God out for my best interest when he lays out things in his word for me to follow? Can I, and I've heard this. People have told me, people who 
are agnostic, they don't believe in God, they said to me, I don't know why you worship a God who demands you to fall on your knees and worship him. Isn't that just full of ego? Is God just full of himself? And I'm just telling you, sometimes that can make sense to people. Say, yeah, why is God like that? Why wouldn't God show humility? But unless you understand God and have a regenerated heart, you will not be able to see the things of God and really see how he is. The fact of the matter is God is not all about himself. He gave his only son to us. And if you focus on the wrong thing, you will be manipulated and deceived into believing the lie that has been happening since Genesis chapter 3. Come on, somebody, are you with me? In Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, he said, Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves. This is going back to the beginning of Babylon. Look how it was originated. Then they said... Come, let us build ourselves. Someone shout, ourselves. A city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Someone shout, ourselves. This was the heart and the intent of building a tower to reach God. It was selfish, self-centered, and it was to elevate them above God. We don't need God. We don't need God to come down to heaven. We're big enough and bad enough and smart enough. We We can elevate ourselves to God. And God had an issue with that. And all of Satan's temptations are connected to our self-interest. Don't ever forget that. Unless we set back and judge a culture and Babylon and the world, let us not forget that we can still fall, fall into the temptation of being arrogant and prideful ourselves. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 11, verse 9, that is why it is called Babel. Because the Lord confused the language of the whole world, and from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So out of this whole thought, creation, a man-made human creation to exalt themselves above God, God says, no, that's not going to happen. He confused their language, and they, now it's called the Tower of Babel, which means confusion or chaos. A Babylon spirit still exists today. And if you follow any other way than God's way, please hear me this morning. If we follow any other way than God's way, it will produce confusion and chaos in our life. Hatred, brother against brother, confused about male and female, confused about sex, confused about religion, confused about God himself confused about how to raise children, confused about how to protect children. All of this chaos and this confusion is coming out of a society and culture who have elevated and lift themselves above God and have pushed God aside. We're confused about how we should even teach. Can I tell you, listen, and I'll just, I'll just say one this morning. Um, I love... Every human being, I see every human being made in the image of God. Every person. And just because you choose to believe on Christ, which I want you to because I know that you'll have eternal life and your life will be much better with Jesus, or you choose not to to follow Christ, I still love you. I will still talk to you. I don't care if if you know that you're a male and you want to be a female. I still love you enough to, come on, you're a human being to me. I love you. I don't judge you that way. If you are a male, God created you with male parts, and you want to be a female, I love you. I don't make fun of you. I don't poke at you. 
I don't think you're any less than me. I love you, and I will, come on, I will have lunch with you, and we'll talk. But if you're asking me, if you're asking me what does God's word say about transgender and sex and LGBTQ, all of these kinds of things, if you're asking me, I'm going to ask you, let's have the conversation. And I did. I've had this conversation months ago with someone who saw, sees it different than I do. And I said, if we're going to talk about our feelings and if we're going to talk about what the world wants us to hear from, sci- I've read article after article from doctors and psychologists. I don't understand what's going on in the human brain. I don't understand. I've tried to help many people process this, but I've done it without being judgmental. I've done it without me feeling like I'm more righteous than you because I live different than you. Are you listening to me very carefully? I come from a place of humility except for the grace of God. I would be a sinner too in any, every area of my life, right? So I come from this place. So I've had these conversations, and I said, listen, if we want to talk about feelings, we can talk about feelings. What well, I feel like. If you want to talk about what makes sense to the culture, I can tell you there's a lot of things that they're pushing that make sense to me. Like, wow. But if you want to talk about I want to live as a Christ follower the way that God wants me to live because I know his way is better, then we've got to study all the way from Genesis to Revelation, take the topic, study all the way through it, and then let's have our conversation. Are you with me? What did Jesus say? I will sanctify them because your word is truth. The truth will protect you from a culture that is shifting. And we can't ignore that. Are you with me this morning? The confusion and chaos are symptoms that come from an absence of God. I want to help the body of Christ not feel afraid or intimidated to stand for what you believe God's word stands for, but come from a spirit of love and grace and reach a world who needs Jesus. Are you with me? And I will do my best as a pastor of this church to lead us in a culture of truth and grace, as we said last week. When I feel that there is chaos even in my own soul, when I feel like there's chaos even in my own soul, when I get chaotic, when there's things that I doesn't make sense, I get, I get afraid, I get like worried, I get concerned, and it elevates to a place where I can't focus on Jesus and worship Christ in my life, I know that I'm being impacted by a Babylon mindset. Babylon mindset is a spirit and is taught throughout the Bible. I'm not going to go into great detail here. I have it down in my notes, but I'm not because I really want to move forward here. But a Babylon mindset and spirit is taught throughout the Bible. There's two chapters in Revelation, 17 and 18, are dedicated. Go back and read it. If you want to know what the mindset and the spirit of Babylon is, it's eschatology. It's the last days. Jesus was trying to prepare us for what's going to happen in the last days. And a Babylon mindset is there. 17 verse 5, the name written on her forehead is a mystery. Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. And it will enlighten us if we read 17 and 18 how the spirit or influence will impact us in the last days. And he also even goes how it's going to impact or try to impact his church, the body of Christ. So there's warning, there's caution there. There's things that will equip us if we will study and learn what is happening in our world and what should be our response to it. Also in Isaiah chapter 47, look at this. Isaiah 47 verse 8 through 10. So Babylon's not just at the Tower of Babel. It's not only in the book of Daniel. Isaiah 47 talks about it. He said, set in silence, go into the darkness, you queen city of Babylonians. 
No more will you be called the queen of kingdoms. I was angry with my people and desecrated my inheritance. I gave them into your hand. He's talking about what happened in Daniel's day. And you showed them no more mercy. Even on the aged, you laid a very heavy yoke. You said, I am forever the eternal queen, but you did not consider the things or reflect on what might happen. Now then, listen, you lover of pleasure, longing in your security and saying to yourself, I am, and there is none besides me. I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. Both of these will overtake you in a moment and on a single day, loss of children and widowhood. They will come upon you in the full measure, and in spite of your many sorceries and all of your potent spells, you have trusted in your wickedness and have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge mislead you into what uh, you say to yourself. I am, and there is none besides me. Can I tell you, here's the belief of a Babylon mindset and the Babylon culture. Here's it is. Write it down. I am, and there is none beside me. When I'm trying to process knowledge and how to live my life, I don't even consider what God says because I am. I am God. I'm the one who's going to control my life. I'm not submitted to anyone. I'm not submitted to God. And a Babylon mindset will let you be in charge of your life. But how many of you know, come on, there's a lot of us in here know that when we were leading our life, we made huge mistakes when we were leading our life. That's why I came to Jesus Christ. Can you shout amen? The trick of the devil is to get you to think you are smarter than God, that you don't need God, that you can do it on your own, that you can be a better judge than God judges, that your opinions are outside of God. I want you to look at some of the beliefs of a Babylon system and a Babylon mindset. A Babylon's belief is to elevate ourself. We want to self-elevate. Can you believe, I mean, we're, we're in a culture where it is teaching us how to, come on, right? We want to selfie everything. I, I, I do, I selfie and I use filters without any shame. Uh, but I'm just telling you, there's a mindset and a spirit that says, I want to elevate myself. And if I have to tear people down to do it, I'll elevate myself. I'll elevate myself if I have to degrade humanity, I'll still elevate myself. A Babylon belief is self-adoring, self-building, self-indulging. Are we not unbalanced in our culture when we are spending more of our time and energy and finances and resources for the sake of how can I indulge myself more? We lower God. Babylon's belief is to lower God, if not to even reject God entirely, that God doesn't love me. Now think about this. Now you're going to start moving into a place, even as a Christ follower, I have struggled with a Babylon belief. There have been times where I have questioned, does God really love me? Can you be honest and transparent this morning? Had there been times, maybe even this week, because of what's going on in your life or maybe a struggle, has there been any thoughts that have come to you that said, man, does God, does God really love me? Now, who can be honest and transparent? Surely I'm not the only one that have been through some issues that I say, I wonder, maybe it's my past failures, my past sins, things I can't get over. But we question. I'm going to just tell you, we are playing into the hands of a Babylon mindset when we play with these thoughts. 
What we should be doing is sanctify ourselves with the word of God, protect us from these thoughts, and when that thought comes, does God really love me, you stand firm on God's word and say, oh, yes, he does love me, regardless of what I feel like, regardless of what people make me feel like, I know. I'm not playing around with this Babylon mindset. God isn't for me. You're praying for things, and the enemy wants to come to you when they're not happening soon enough. God is not really for me. You know what you need to do? Don't play around with it. It's a Babylon mindset that's trying to work its way into your heart and your culture. You say, no, I know God is for me, and if God is for me, who can be against me? That God wants too much from me. Man, God, you really want this from me? Do I really have to sacrifice this? That God wants too much from me. But we oppose, we come against and counterculture with what God's word says about us. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 4, I want you to see the whole king behind this Babylon because the king is going to give us insight of how we can stand strong in a culture, stand strong in a culture that opposes God, and we have to go back to the king, the headship. Look at Daniel chapter 4 and verse 4. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented. Someone shout contented. Contented and prosperous. And this place of elevation, of where I don't want God to mess with me, I'm just, I'm content where I'm at. God, don't ask too much from me. It's a Babylon mindset, and it's going to lead to a place where God is going to be lower, and you're going to try to exalt yourself higher. Prosperity, we have everything at our fingertips. We are a prosperous nation. Prosperous, the most wealthy person in the world. Or let's say even the, the least in the United States, the poorest person in the United States has probably more wealth in some of the places that I've been to in uh, Central America or Africa and some of these places that we have visited. We are, we are a prosperous nation, and it can be a danger when we're so prosperous that we don't need God. I don't really need to pray. I have everything I need. And that's where Nebuchadnezzar was at. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He has a dream. And no one can interpret this dream, and it troubled him so much that he called for it. He realized, hey, we, we captured this, this Israel guy, this Israeli, who claims to be a prophet. I wonder if he can interpret this dream. And he calls for Daniel. And Daniel, this is what I love, that Daniel uses, Daniel is used by God to interpret a dream for the most powerful man in the world at that time. Don't be intimidated when you're thrown into a culture and you feel like you're, you know, how can God use me? God will give you an open door to where the Holy Spirit can use you in a powerful way, come on, to prophesy and pro give his prophetic word that can bring transformation to people's lives. Daniel says the tree that's cut down, he called on Daniel, and look what he says in Daniel chapter 4, verse 22, he says, your majesty. Someone shout, your majesty. Daniel could have had resentment in his heart and said, you nasty, wicked king. It's no wonder you're having dreams and nightmares and you can't sleep because you're not living for God. That could have been his message. It could have been that he had so much resentment in his heart because Nebuchadnezzar didn't take Israel captive once, twice, twice. This king captured this Israeli group and 
Israeli people, and some of them were Daniel's family. He could have had so much resentment and self-righteousness in his heart that he could have said, forget your majesty, you're a wicked king, and you're the tree, and God's going to just knock you down, right? But that's not what he said. He comes to this king out of respect and honor, and even at a place of humility, and he says, your majesty, you are the tree. Now, does, does it change his message? No, he's going to lay it to him straight. He said, I'm going to give it to you very straight here, but I'm going to do it in a spirit of humility and honor. Daniel chapter 4, verse 25, he says, you will be driven away from the people and will live like wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched. He's telling the king this. I mean, this is pretty, this is pretty heavy stuff that you're telling a king. You're going to live like an animal, King Nebuchadnezzar. And seven times will pass by you, for you, until you acknowledge that the most high sovereign over all kingdoms of the earth, earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots mean that your kingdom, now listen, here's God. When God always has a message of you need to get right and repent, there's always a message, come on, of restor, restoration and grace and mercy. Anyone grateful that, come on, God didn't allow all the stuff you did before Christ, come on, all that stuff, there's a lot of things that you didn't have to reap Come on, that you sowed. Can I hear a big amen this morning? Why is that? Because God's grace and truth will always communicate to us reconciliation and restoration. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Hear the tone. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness be, by being kind to the oppressed. And it may be that you then, then your prosperity will continue. Of course, Nebuchadnezzar chose poorly, and then 12 months later, he was mocked and admired everything he created. In fact, we know that the, one of the ancient, seven ancients of the world was the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, and he began to look at what he created and said, I created this. He looked at his creation, did not acknowledge God. He said, I'm, I, I, I'm the one who created all of this, and God sent him down and cut him down just like the dream had said because he refused to acknowledge and humble himself before the Lord. Now, here's what I love about this story, because at the end of that time, Daniel chapter 4, verse 34, Daniel made such an impression, sowed a seed of a prophetic word in King Nebuchadnezzar's heart that it brought Nebuchadnezzar to a place of restoration and reconciliation. And I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, Christ follower, God wants to use you to bring the same kind of message to the world around us. And we can't do that from an elevated, self-righteous position to say, I'm better than you. You'll never have the message of humility and love when we're always looking down on a world that needs God. Verse 34, at the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. I mean, this is awesome. Look what he did. And my sanity was restored. You know what I want in this culture? I want the, I want the sanity re restored again. Anybody want sanity restored? And anytime we turn our eyes back to God and bring him into our life, come on, our sanity is restored. And he said, my honor and my splendor were returned. He said, why? Because then I praised the Most High and honored and glorified him who lives forever. Verse 37, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all of his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. 
Can I just tell you this morning? Come on. When we, when God humbles, he will also restore. And maybe you have been pushing God away because you're, there's some pride or arrogance in your life. But can I tell you, if you'll come to a place of humility, come on, God will restore you in a place. And what God wanted to do with Nebuchadnezzar, he was saying, I'm going to cut you down, Nebuchadnezzar, because you built a kingdom based on a wrong philosophy, a wrong culture, a self-elevated and a, 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 an arrogant culture, but I'm going to cut you down. But listen to this. I'm not going to leave you down. I'm going to leave the stump there in the ground so now when you turn to me, something new is going to come out and it's going to be built on the right foundation. Come on, the right culture. How many know that God will restore and not leave us? Come on. How many grateful for that this morning? So, when God humbles, he will restore. And let me leave you with this this morning. Three things. How can we be influential in an ungodly culture? I want you to hear me this morning. If we take Nebuchadnezzar's experience of how God restored him in an ungodly culture, how can we, how can we make sure that we are not caving in to an ungodly culture and bringing it into our lives? Number one, I will exalt God. Will you say that with me? I will exalt God. If you make a determination that you're going to live your life exalting God, in Psalm chapter 145 verse 1 says, I will exalt you, my God and the King. I will praise your name forever. You're going to be tempted to exalt other things in the world. You're going to be tempted to exalt all kinds of disasters and fear and worry and concerns. Not that we're avoiding things that are challenging, but can we, come on, exalt God higher than any mountain or problem or sin or, come on, can we exalt God more than any other thing in our life? Can we exalt God? Number two, will you say this with me? I will acknowledge God. You want to know how to be strong in an ungodly culture? Say with me, I will acknowledge God. I want to acknowledge God. His word, his ways, his principles. I want to believe it. I want to live it. Listen, the what, how you behave and how you live is truly what you really believe. And I want to believe, I want to live in a way that says, I trust God. I believe in God. I believe his principles and his ways. I want to demonstrate to an ungodly culture that I truly believe what God has said in his word. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 in the Living Bible, he says, what are you, he says, what are you so puffed up about? What do, you have to, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, then why act as though you are so great and as though you have accomplished something on your own? I want to acknowledge God. Before we judge an ungodly culture, can we first, come on, turn the mirror on ourselves? Has there ever been a time where I'm tempted to not acknowledge God the way I need to? I don't know why sometimes I hear things in, in, a, in the, the church world where there's a, an opposition of, I don't need church. I don't need a church service. I don't need it. And I'm thinking, why, why do you got to divide the line? I, I, need, I need the body of Christ. I need to worship with you like we've worshiped this morning. I need to sing songs and, and worship together. Say, well, I, I can do it in my car. Well, I can too. 
I can do it at home. I can, I can too. But the Bible, if I look at God's word, I need to acknowledge, come on, God together. And there's been a time where, I mean, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning uh, the other night. Woke up at 3.30 in the morning. I'm like, man, God, what are you doing? And I've, I don't know why, but I, I, um, C.C. Winan's new song came up. It says, I, I Still Believe, or whatever the song title was. And I began to play that, and I saw that where Tim Anderson was in Kettering Hospital. And Tim, I don't know if you're watching this morning, but we're praying, have been, and we're still praying for you right now. You know what I did? From, not, from 3.30 to 4.30 in the morning, I was acknowledging God. Was I in a church service? No, I, I can do it in my home. And I began to, as C.C. Winans was playing in the background and, and said, I believe, I believe it was stirring my spirit. And the atmosphere began to shift because the Holy Spirit was moving. And I began to just pray for my brother Tim that God would heal him right where he's at. And we pray that right now. Amen. So why do I need that? I need that, yes, in my home, but I'm going to tell you something else. There is something that happens in this room when we gather together as believers and we begin to acknowledge God together. It fortifies your spirit and you're able to go into an ungodly culture because you know you're not the only one standing in a world saying, I believe God, I acknowledge God, I trust God. Can I hear a big amen this morning? And lastly, number three, as the worship team comes, I will humble, humble myself. I will humble myself. James chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. There's either going to be humility or humiliation in our lives and I would rather live with a spirit of humility than be humiliated. God restores and God lifts and he says, I will, in fact, when I lift you, I'm going to set your feet on a rock. Don't worry about the culture that's shifting. When you're on the rock, come on, the rock of Jesus, the rock of his word, you don't have to be, you don't have to worry about shifting or being impressed or molded and shaped and beaten, pounded by a world that's trying to get you to believe an opposite way than what God wants you to believe. Standing strong in self, in a self-exalting culture begins face down. And that's where I want to live. I want to live face down before God. You cannot authentically reflect God's kingdom culture without humility. I believe there needs to be a prayer, a prayer of humility and a prayer of sanity that comes to God's people and comes to the people around us. And the only way to get there is to humble ourselves before the Lord. Can you bow your heads with me for a moment? I want to ask you a question. Are there times in your life where you just, you hear something in God's word and you want to push against it? And you're pushing against it, but down deep you know that you need to accept what God is telling you, God is saying to you. And what he's saying to you is, I want to give you life, and I want to give you abundant life, but the only way to get there is to acknowledge me as your Lord and Savior, is to humble yourself before me. Totally give your life and heart to him. Can I tell you this morning, it's one of the best decisions that I ever made, and I'm telling you, it wasn't an easy one. There was so much pride and arrogance in my life built up, and it was from hurt and pain. But when I surrendered to Christ, and I, it was hard for me, but I did it. I swallowed my pride, and I gave my life to Christ. I'm telling you, it was like a weight, a huge burden and weight that lifted off of my life. And God began, I knew from that moment of confessing him, a regeneration began in my heart. God was regenerating my heart.
And God, here's what happens. God, over time, begins to put new desires and new thoughts into your life. How many know that's the transformation power of Jesus Christ? And this morning, I do not want, the, I do not want you to, to miss that opportunity of receiving Christ. And it starts with a, a spirit, an attitude of humility of coming to him. And if you're joining me online right now, you can make that decision in your heart, in your mind right now, and you can say it out loud. I want to ask you the question this morning, how many feel like that? Come on, you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Would you just lift your hand where you're at? No one's looking except for me this morning. That you need to surrender your heart and your life to Christ and to follow him. Let him give you a new heart. Let him give you a new mind. And watch, watch the weight, watch the pressure of the world fall off of you as you experience the freedom of Jesus Christ. Say, well, I, there's just some things I don't know. Just take the first step. Let Christ, come on, take that first step to Christ and then let him begin to shape you and mold the rest. Amen. Will you pray this prayer with me right now? Come on, can we say this prayer together as you receive Jesus? Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus who died on the cross for me. I believe he took my sins. And I believe you raised him from the dead. So with my heart and with my mouth, I confess Jesus Christ is Lord. I exalt him. Lord of my life, I humble myself before God Almighty. And I receive Jesus as my Savior. I am saved. I'm forgiven, and I'm free from sin. In Jesus' name, can you shout amen this morning? Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord praise for that? Hey, thank you for listening to today's message. We appreciate you tuning in. I hope you subscribe so you can join us back here next week. If you're interested in connecting with us at New Spring Church, text CONNECTNC to 94000. Hey, we're praying for you, and we pray God's blessing upon you.